Welcome back to the California Work Comp Report. Today we have part two of our series, Workplace Harassment, a page from Machiavelli's book. Let's pick up where we left off. One of the things I wanted to bring up here too, to give a little bit of context, um, there was a company called All Voices that wrote up um, a, a pretty interesting report. It's called the State of Workplace Harassment 2021. Um, I would encourage anyone listening just to take a look at it. It's a quick read. It takes about 20 minutes, but they have some interesting um, statistics I wanted to include for us and just have them hang out there as we continue to uh, to, to talk about this. Um, one, 44% have experienced harassment at work. This was a, um, this was a, uh, a survey um, that was done on um, employees. It looks like they uh, interviewed about 882 American full-time employees. 38% still experienced harassment remotely, even through email, video conferences, um, uh, social media, et cetera. 53% that, uh, said that their workplace immediately addressed it. However, 12% saw no action at all, and about 15% were not even aware that any action was taken. And um, uh, only, only a little over half said that their issues had been fully resolved. So this leaves half of people who um, have complaints about harassment without, without resolution at all. Next, 34% left the job because of unresolved harassment issues. And we can talk about this a little bit earlier, but more often than not, it's just easier to go find another job. And every time someone leaves the workplace because of harassment, it emboldens the behavior of both the employer and um, the officers that are doing the harassment, and it works, and that's that's why that that's why um, you know people leave. It's a lot easier to go elsewhere than to you know stand up to this and and um, you know have the resolve to see it through. Um, Eighty-five percent are more likely to report harassment if they have an anonymous channel. This reminds me of I think it was in the um, the New Yorker magazine with their cartoons. There's a picture of a guy walking down the hallway, and on the left was the human resource comment box, and underneath it, it simply said "career suicide," and that's exactly what it is often for people going to uh, HR. Um, you know, HR will put up banners, you know, we love everyone, we, you know, everyone's welcome in our workplace, et cetera, et cetera. But um, unfortunately, in some of these work environments, everyone knows that retaliation awaits them if they say something, um, you know, something will, you know, go into their record, um, it could be used against them later, and it really becomes a paranoid environment. So it's very sad. Um, because a lot of this is baked in, um, you know, to to corporate behavior and and the responses to people in the workplace. And like I said, you know, psychological cases have a much higher bar for proving in workers' compensation in California than I hurt my shoulder lifting a box or I slipped on the floor and hurt my knee. Um, you know, you have to have a 51% um, uh, preponderance of evidence uh, medical legally to get a psych case um, approved. And if you don't have access to, you know, the, the harasser's HR file, you don't know if they've had, you know, prior complaints against them, it's an incredible disadvantage. You have no money. Um, you could lose your job, um, you know, all kinds of things. And it really is a culture of fear. So, um, you know, that's that's sort of from the workers' comp standpoint, the doctor's standpoint, um, you know, what we're what we're really dealing with. Um, John, uh, just, to, mm -hmm. John, just to interject one thing, uh, in that same case about the doctor that we that you aforementioned, yes. You're talking about to do what she did. You're talking about what a hundred thousand dollars and four years of agony. 
Uh, I, I mean, that's that's a that's a pretty hefty price to pay. And who wants to pay that? Very few. Yeah. Um, and, and who can hold their breath that long? Exactly. That's right. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so so, John, I was going to ask you um, next sort of about, you know, your you write about people's personalities. You watch stories unfold. Um, you know, I've I think a lot about what it takes to turn someone into a professional harasser, or as I like to refer to them um, uh, as administrative predators, basically. And and these are people in some ways, I, I don't know, um, there, there's a kid's book out. I don't know when it came out, but it was called um, If You Give a Pig a Pancake. And, and my take on this is that when these harassers start, they're not necessarily endorsed by the organization and what they're doing, but there's small things that they do around the office or the work environment that, you know, begins to reinforce their behavior. These are often people, you know, that um, uh, are narcissists. They don't see what they're doing is wrong. Um, and they start to do these harassing activities. And and these little, small, sometimes they're called microaggressions, an offhanded remark, um, you know, maybe... Um, giving everyone else in the room a sandwich for lunch, except this person, you know, all of these like little petty things. Um, they, they tend to, they tend to give power to the person doing this. And the fact that the administration or the supervising or the HR does nothing early on really emboldens the person to, to take it to the next level. And if their harassment does not get what they need, then they move to the next level of harassment. So you could you could go all the way from you know um, you know making sure that they don't have a chair at the table when there's a meeting, or making sure that they're seated you know away from other people, uh, all the way to the threat of physical violence, or you know trying to you know threat violence against someone, or make a, a comment earshot that you know that they'll hear. Um, you know that's it's just a huge spectrum. But tell us kind of what, you know, maybe in this uh, you know case that you're looking at. Um, I mean, was there an escalation of this individual or how did how did the story unfold? Well, it's a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, it, you're right. It started it starts small. You know, it starts with the offhand comments and and it escalates. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to escalate if the person making the comments isn't threatened. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think. But as the threat level rises, I think that that person gets into self-preservation mode and then, uh, you know, starts digging themselves a bigger grave in some ways, you know, and they start to escalate their behavior and they start to do bigger and probably more daring and more uh, less, I should say, less uh, ethical things. And um, so if it starts with an offhand comment, and then that person uh, goes to HR and says, you know, I, I want to make sure we're reporting these comments that are inappropriate. In this case, maybe some sexual nature that not just to this to the one uh, doctor, but to other her colleagues. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, from there, you know, that, the, you know, the threat level gets turned up a bit on the uh, harassing doctor. And in this case, the practice lead. Uh, well, that person now has to. Uh, turn up the dial and that involves you know putting in sham peer reviews and enlisting all the other doctors and the and physicians into basically falsifying their findings and just to, to say that she's guilty of 
some sort of malpractice against a patient that never happened. And in fact, in, in this is even more extreme because in this uh, one dermatologist case, not only did she treat the patient correctly, mm-hmm. she uh, went to a, a, the one of the greatest experts in this particular area of dermatology in the, in the world to evaluate the case. And he said, nope, this is done correctly. And, um, Unbelievable. and you know, it, you know, you see, you have a, you have the, the world renowned expert on her side mm-hmm. and you have, um, you know, you, you have, uh, you have the fact that, that the misdiagnosis actually caused the patient to come back two years later yeah, uh, because they they decided to go against uh, the dermatologist's recommendation to go with the practice uh, head's uh, course of rec- course of action, his recommended course of action. Uh, clearly, that was wrong, and um, and that that patient came back two years later and uh, to the the original dermatologist who fixed it. Yeah, and, and and all the while people are digging in because now the narrative's out and they can't change their story once uh, right. you know, a complaint's been lodged. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, so I, I think this, and Paul, I'd be interested to hear what, what, you know, how this uh, resonates in the history of, of Machiavellian technique, but uh, you know, it, 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 as the threat level increases, you, you, not only do you have to, to take more drastic measures, we have to enlist more people involved. And now you have a whole bunch of entities covering this up. You've got HR, falsifying these uh, HR uh, findings. They are only talking to the people that'll give them the answers that they want. Yeah. You know, they do not talk to the people that'll give them that they know are going to give them the answers they don't want because they need to find this practice head not guilty, uh, yeah. in, you know, in so many ways, so many words, right? Yeah. Uh, they have to enlist other physicians and because uh, the, the physicians are, are instrumental in, pulling the, the, the cords and, and the ropes of the, of the machine. Right. Uh, yeah. And they have to find legitimacy for these illegitimate uh, results. And, yeah. and what you get is here's, and, and John, here's the, I think the most interesting part of it is that many of these co-conspirators don't even like the practice head. <laughs> they can't stand them. And, and they don't, they, you know, but they they know that this is how the machine works, and and the way that the reason well why it begs a, a very logical question: Why, if they hate the guy and they know he's mm-hmm. a terrible doctor, why would they follow him? Well, yeah. because that doctor has over the years given them crumbs, mm-hmm. and given them little promotions, and whether they deserved it or not, they've given them favors, they've given them you know privileges that maybe some other doctors didn't get. You know, some doctors like to see patients, some don't. Maybe he gave them a post where. The, mm-hmm. the you know the, the, a doctor didn't have to, to to see other patients as much you know right maybe the doctor got more admin time mm-hmm. you know, uh, maybe a doctor just simply looked the other way when the practice head was taking his is abusing his vacation time right yeah you know <laughs> all these things are happening and so mm-hmm. there's a loyalty that b- builds up and and paul i'd be interested to hear you know how this resonates with you but you know there's these people that don't even like this practice head have to fall in line and they have to be loyal. <laughs> Can I laugh? All, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> you, guys, you guys are talking about the prince. I don't know if you guys have read it or know anything about it, but you guys are talking exactly word for word about what is happening in yep. this 500-year-old book that all our politicians still study today when mm-hmm. they get to college or university. Uh, right. you, sometimes you, John, you just quoted a few things word for word from the prince, and you may not even know. <laughs> um, 
it, it's, amazing. it's amazing how things truly hasn't changed haven't changed um feeding crumbs is awesome uh, mm -hmm. because it keeps everybody in line because everybody's happy a little bit at a time you're not uh, you're not being you know uh, overly generous because if you do you could you could drain the whole system now everybody expects more and the greed right. kicks Right. Uh, but if you just give them those crumbs that you said, John, it's awesome. Uh, everybody is not going to nobody's going to hate you because they, they have nothing to hate you for because you've been giving them the crumbs mm -hmm. opposed to maybe promoting somebody to a much higher level. And that's what the greed may kick in. And maybe I could get even a better, you know, higher level next year and so on and so forth. So everything is done precisely. And to go back to what you guys were mentioning before, what John mentioned before, the, the everything needs to be clear in the harasser's head. Now that harasser could be at the top of the pyramid or it could mm -hmm. be somewhere in the middle of the pyramid. However, that harasser sees that his chair is missing or, or, or uh, he made a chair miss at, you know, be missing on purpose at the, at the meeting. Right. Uh, but he'll make sure there's other ways. If that didn't bother you, I'll figure out a different way and I'll step up my game to mm -hmm. make sure that you, you you will quit or you know, I will get rid of you somehow if that was my goal. Don't forget it's it's all I'm I'm interpreting this conversation and this podcast as as a me myself and I kind of thing. It's a it's a vice that I have. I want to get somewhere with mm -hmm. you, and the you could be an individual or it could be a whole company, a whole organization. Yeah. So the game will get stepped up if I'm not getting what I want, and that's and one main key chapter from Machiavelli's Prince is intelligence. Uh, I need to understand how intelligent I am about the situation, but what's equally important is understand how, how intelligent you are, the person that I'm harassing. How intelligent are you to understand or not understand what I'm doing to you? And, and so there goes the warfare. And um, that's why he, he came out with the sequel of the Prince called The Art of War. Um, you need to understand because that's what truly is. Harassing is going to war. Uh, you're the offense and the harassee is the defense. So if the defense is coming in a little bit strong, you need to step up your game. Uh, it, it goes for sports as well. I feel like I'm talking about it, uh, like a, a football game, but yeah, it, it, could, it could happen anywhere and it has happened anywhere in the world. Uh, the harasser will eventually get the tools he or she needs to get what he or she wants. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it could be as immoral as the open field will allow you to get to, to come up with. You could come up with anything. Uh, it, it could come from a simple bullet out of a gun or nuclear warfare. I will get what I want and I'll step up the game uh, need be. So the escalation that John had said before, uh, harassment will grow if it's ignored. If you quit and move somewhere else, you're feeding harassment, and and, and you're looking out for yourself. You don't want to you don't want to get fired, and you don't want to have an extra file, a negative report on your file. But nevertheless, you're 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 helping out, and you're you're feeding this beast called harassment. Thanks for listening. For more about dealing with workplace harassment, visit our blog at blog.rate-fast.com. And if you're a work comp professional, try RateFast Workers' Compensation Impairment Report Service at rate-fast.com.